Hi, this is Justin Wynn. This is Vanessa Tran. This is Michelle Duquet. And this, and this is, is the American, American Gods Podcast. So for this segment, we're going to be covering the accuracies, the historical and the mythological accuracies of the book. First off, the gods, they're not actually real. They're, they're not physically manifested, and they're not walking around America, but they're the whole plot. Yeah. And although it's historically inaccurate because of these it is accurate in kind of like in the myth for example ibis and jacko they're egyptian gods of the dead and gaiman uses them and makes their occupation morticians which they deal with the dead similar to how they're gods of then they do deal with the dead yeah so they're morticians on like the flip side in like as their their regular jobs but they also they are in the book they are gods of the dead like in the scene on page 611 dr ibis and jackal there they turn into the gods where they weigh shadow's heart and they lead him to the land of the dead so ultimately even though it's like gods are not actually here the myths they represent are true exactly another one of the historical accuracies of the book was the setting on page x gaiman says i did my best not to write about any place i had not been so that translate into that translates into the book that all the settings are super accurate yeah they sound like what he experienced as he traveled there yeah yeah so it makes like you feel like they actually exist and they do so that helps the book because all the, the unrealistic, impossible things that are happening, they're in such a real environment that you feel like they could be happening. Okay, and so for our next topic, I'd like to discuss the setting of the novel. Or rather, why is the setting important for a novel? Because we do understand that it takes place in America, right? American gods? Yeah, so the setting is really important because it, it sets up the conflict like they this could happen in no other place in america because all the gods are coming from all these different countries and they're all traveling with people and which like which brought them here in the first place right yes but the thing is this takes place in modern america but you know these immigrants that came here maybe the first time a century ago or so right yeah so the cultures were really strong when they brought them and the gods were strong then even though it was a foreign land so they could they could deal with it but as the cultures of everyone coming there like all the immigrants there's not immigrants anymore they're americans their culture has become diluted right yeah one like blob so at this point it's been ages ago these gods well their main weakness is that they're being forgotten right without that faith or knowledge of their culture or origins they become weaker and weaker right yeah that's how they're sustained like Mama G said when they met up for the convention on page 177 she said oh, I see okay so Mama G says here that she she does do well and that back in India there's an incarnation of her who does much better so we see that maybe the strength of a god is tied to their location and faith right of yeah. course Mama G being a being a Indian mythology of course, she'd be stronger in India, right? That's where 
yeah, you know, that's where people still believe in her, and that's where that's her home, and that's where she's strongest. And then here in America, all there is is a handful of people who still do believe in her. Yeah. And then, and then I think another example of this would be Whiskey Jack, right? The Native American God. Right. Uh, so let's see. If we look on page six fifty one, Whiskey Jack says that that gods die when they're forgotten, people too, but the land's still here, good places and the bad. The land isn't going anywhere, and neither am I. Yeah, so that implies that, like, gods are... Tied to the land, right? Their land of origin. Yeah, they have to be stronger where they're born, because that's where they get their power from. The people and the land. And so, all the foreign gods coming there, they're... To America? Yeah, to America. They're, like, weaker... And because they're weaker, that sets up the conflict of the story. They're all weaker, and they want to fight against new gods. They blame for their weakness, right? Yeah, both of them blame each other. And so, the proof for, like, the center, or the foreign countries being weaker is on page... 539? 539. When it says, when Chernabog says, no, they would not meet us here. They can do nothing to us there. It's it is a bad place for all of us. He's talking about the center of America. Yeah, so... Yeah. So if America symbolizes weakness for these gods, then, of course, a center of America will be where they'd be the weakest. Yeah. Which makes sense with this plot. And so that sets up the whole premise of the book. So setting is absolutely necessary. previous segment we mentioned and talked about the historical accuracies, mythological accuracies, as well as the setting. So now I'd like to address, well for an American book it's almost necessary to address the American dream, right? Yeah. So the first thing we should know is what is the American dream? Well American dream is the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into, can attain their own version of success in a society in it, which is America, where upward mobility is possible for everyone. Right. So, do you think the American dream is represented in that way in American Gods? Or no? No. No? Okay. Is there anything that makes you think that way? Well, an example is Selene and the taxi. The Ifrit, right? Yeah, Ifrit. Yeah. So, Selene is an immigrant that comes to America hoping for an opportunity to be successful right yeah he was selling trinkets he's selling trinkets and then he meets this taxi driver along the way and you see that yeah uh, he's facing the same you know come chance of the american dream right he's yeah. trying to yeah like he's successful yeah like but, on two like on page 238 the taxi driver says if i could grant wishes do you think i would be driving a cab Right, so we get this impression that, you know, here in America, land of freedom, opportunities, this Ifrit, this cab driver, he seems unsatisfied with his current occupation, right? Mm -hmm. He's saying that if he had, if he could grant wishes, meaning he, if he had the chance to do whatever he wanted, 
he's suggesting that he wouldn't be a cab driver. He didn't want to be doing this job in the first place, but he's forced to. So I think it shows that Neil Gaiman sees the American dream as maybe a broken one, right? Yeah. Where, you know, in reality, you don't really get to have the freedoms and opportunities you think you'd have. You're yeah. stuck living with a job just to get by. Mm-hmm. But although this is true and he's trying to show a broken American dream, he also shows an American dream that works through mm-hmm. Shadow, who goes from being an ex-convict to becoming a new man in like how he goes to Lakeside and he adopts a new identity as Mike Enzel. And he lives out this whole new life, different from how he lived out his life as Shadow. So this could be Gaiman's way of showing American Dream that did work. I see. So maybe what Gaiman's really saying is that the American Dream does exist, but it's not for everyone. The opportunity for it is there. But it doesn't mean you're guaranteed that freedom opportunity that you're hoping for. So, as for Americana, one, one thing we should ask ourselves is, what makes Neil Gaiman's American Gods American? And, you know, what kind of aspects of America does this novel kind of really show? I feel like it focuses a lot on the setting. Like, it relies on characterizing America through the American landscape. Like, in Lakeside, it shows a small town and when they're traveling it shows the like american hospitality and like the the environment that makes that connects america so you're saying that you know what makes his novel americans also just because it takes place in america right but also because it shows the setting but i also think that you know yeah six america that novel does focus on is also the American identity. We already talked about uh, previously how Shadow changes identity from a convict to kind of a new man, right? Mike Ainsel, mm-hmm. one yeah. example. Yeah. So we do see, you know, a lot of emphasis on the American dream, maybe almost, <laughs> mm-hmm. and your identity as an American and mm-hmm. the culture and setting, right? Yeah, like the second chance thing. So for my next question, what I'd like to address is, well, how does Neil Gaiman shape the American identity? And, you know, what does it mean to be an American? Well, obviously, it means to, like, live in America, embrace the culture, to be an American citizen. Yeah, I agree with that. And to add to that, there is an interesting quote about the American identity on page 137, however. Once it says here that nobody's American, not originally. And then I, I think he's saying here that, you know, um, unless you're maybe Native American, you know, you're not really from America. You're probably someone who immigrated here from a different country, across the seas, from, from different lands, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how the different gods, like, Odin from Norse mythology and um, Matt Sweeney from Ireland and Easter from Germany. How like they're different gods from different countries, but when they're brought here to America, they're considered American gods. 
Yeah, everyone in America, even though they're not Wednesday, might not think they're American. Everyone has come and they've brought a piece of their culture and contributed it to the like growing American culture. So it's it's a huge combination of like diverse cultures and ethnicities. So maybe when we say that, you know, what it means to be American, maybe it really is still just to live in America. So maybe what makes, you know, being American unique is what you don't need to be American. So regardless of your culture, your ethnicity, your race, everything, regardless of that, you can still live in America and consider yourself an American, like all these gods from all these different cultures. So while we're on the topic of cultural diversity, uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you think that the culture is all the same throughout America? No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, like on page 387, Wednesday says, or Shadow, Shadow says, it's almost hard to believe that this is in the same country as Lakeside, which is like a small town. It's like, it embodies. It's quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows each other. It's like the American stereotypical mm-hmm. tiny town. And it's coming from someone who's at this point been like all over the country, right? Yeah, exactly. And then Wednesday replies, it's not. San Francisco isn't the, in the same country as Lakeside any more than New Orleans is in the same country as New York or Miami's in the same country as Minneapolis. So, even though we, they're all, like, united under one government, they're all different in that, like you said, like, Lakeside is small, rural, and quiet. And it's the opposite of, like, San Francisco and New York, who are, like, cities where it's really busy and loud. Yeah, they all have extremely different, like, cultures and stereotypes and feels. Mm -hmm. And I think this is represented with the gods in the book, too. Like, we see, um, I was in Jackal down in Cairo, right? We don't see them universally all across the United States. They're only in that, kind of like, that one spot there. Yeah. Yeah. And then on page 244, Mr. Ibis says... McDonald's, Walmart, F.W. Woolworth of blessed memory. Store brands maintained invisible across the entire country. Wherever you go, you'll get something that is with small regional variations the same. So even though these are huge international companies, the fact that they still have to cater to each different city or region by like changing their menu or their brand or their like, even just the building, just the way they present themselves, that shows that like these regions are really different. So ultimately, American culture is not consistent everywhere in the country. And this is seen through the characters and their experiences and uh, different brands in America. And yeah, so I think uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gods really focuses on the cultural diversity as well as the changes in culture from place to place in America, especially, you know, as we see through Shadow's journey. Like, here in Lakeside, we'll see, you know, a small town, it's cold, there's very few people here, but then before you know it, we'll be in Rock City, and there's different attractions, there's whole crowds of people, there's, you know, buildings everywhere. All right, so that covers the accuracies of American Gods, the setting, American dream of it, and the American culture that shows.
So is there anything else that's on your mind about this book? Something you feel like Neil Gaiman needs to explain? Yeah, well, he didn't include Jesus, and that was really, um, that was untrue to his world, I feel like, because Mm -hmm. Christianity, since it's, like, the biggest religion in the U.S., he should have been, like, a huge major character, or at least, like, a big part of the novel. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the reason why. Because we have a strong Christian population of, like, over 75% in America, so... The melding of like Christian culture with uh, these other religions would be too much to take on as part of the novel, which is like already culturally rich. Like this is what um, Gaiman says in his appendix. And then I wrote their first scene together in chapter 15, and it didn't work for me. I felt like I was alluding to something that I couldn't simply mention in passing and then move on from. It was too big. So he's saying that. Christianity is like a really big thing and then putting it and combining it with all these other religions would not fit right with each other yeah. and it, and like because he's a big god so it wouldn't make sense that he would spend his time in the battle of these smaller gods because he already has like a huge influence so what should he be like read by yeah like the whole entire conflict of the book is these old gods are being forgotten in place of these new gods, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's very little chance that people are going to forget Jesus anytime soon here in America. Yeah, and in the appendix scene, Jesus, when he visited Shadow, when he saw him after he died, he was super busy. Like, he was like, I har- I've hardly had time for this, and it was only a couple minutes. So it would make sense that he wasn't in the book. So while we're on the topic of religion, one point I'd like to make is that, well, Neil Gaiman has a very interesting take on religion, right? So, um, you look on page 643, beginning in chapter 18, he starts off by saying that none of this can actually be happening, in which he's saying that all these gods fight each other in the book, not really happening. He states that religions are metaphors and that God is a dream, a hope. He's a concept, a thing. That really, religions are just points from which to view the world yeah and really religions are just people with the same cultures traditions beliefs ultimately they're just different ways to see the world as Gaiman said yeah so if you put it that way then how about this we know that America is a culturally rich place right it's diverse there's people from all sorts of places walks of life beliefs and traditions, and they all form one kind of syncretic nation, right? So what if Americanism is a religion of its own, and the God that, that we all believe in is the American dream? Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to our, our podcast. podcast. Stay, Stay tuned, tuned for, for next time. time.